thank you everybody for tuning in to episode two. Uh, we appreciate all the support and love that we received for the first episode. Uh, so we're really excited to get right back into it and start talking hoops with you guys. I'm uh, your co-host Michael, and here I'm going to pass it over to Ty. What's up, guys? Uh, we are happy to announce that we have a name for the podcast. Uh, we have spent a few days going back and forth on a couple names. Well, but... More than a few days. I think <laughs> it took us up until today to really finalize everything, but we finally got it for you here. Yeah. So so we, we settled on it. So you are officially tuned in to episode two of the Run It Back podcast. Um, so we're really happy to have you guys. Again, really appreciate all the support that you gave us for, for the first episode. Uh, something kind of fun for us, but we definitely didn't expect uh, the amount of support that we got right off for the sure. hop. Uh, so thank you to everybody yeah. that reached out. I really, yeah, appreciate everyone bearing with us as we kind of get everything, uh, you know, put together here. We've got the graphic coming soon. We finally got the name. We got the intro music. Special shout out to Matt Reed for hooking us up with that. I don't know about you, but I think we got the best intro music in the podcast game. So appreciate Matt for that, for real. Um, but without further ado, let's get into some hoop talk. So. Uh, I kind of want to start with preseason. I know a lot of people overreact to preseason play. You know, some no-name players putting up big-name numbers. But uh, I was really impressed personally with what I saw from LaMelo Ball. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on it because I know you maybe weren't so high on him as I was. So um, outside of his shot not falling, I think he really performed exceptional. I was watching every Charlotte Hornets preseason game, which is something I can say I've never done in my life. So uh, I kind of want to get what your opinion is on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as a, as a rookie, you're always going to go through a little bit of a period of trying to find find your spots and, and find the ways that you can contribute. And I think that um, LaMelo showed a great deal of maturity in terms of uh, his early play, not not seeing his shot fall. But, I mean, that, that first game against, against Toronto, I mean, he found other ways to contribute and then some. I mean, the guy had what was it, ten, 10 rebounds and yeah, seven assists or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Like he he had he had a great line outside of that and, mm-hmm. and wasn't trying to force anything. I mean, he he didn't have a few. Uh, he didn't have much luck with the shot falling early on, and that's fine. I mean, he he didn't end with a with a made field goal, but you can definitely find other ways to make impact on the court. And I think that that was a, a big uh, a big maturity. Um, trait kind of showing through sure. he's flexing that muscle a little bit in, in his just basketball IQ uh, overall so I, I said I tweeted and, and we chatted about it a little bit um, off air but um, I'm happy and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him prove me wrong all year I, I'm not I'm not a hater I, I pride myself on being a rational basketball <laughs> yeah, fan sure. um, so I, I would never wish poorly on, on anybody in the league um, I, I didn't buy in uh, but I can't wait to be proven wrong I, I love it I, I love yeah. seeing player success um, so I'm all here for it, but yeah, I, I'm really excited. His feel for the game, it's it's kind of what they expected from Lonzo, but you can see it in actuality with with Lamelo. So he's my pick for sure for for rookie of the year. But we'll kind of get back to that in a little bit here. Um, on the topic of rookies, I kind of want to get your thoughts on some of these rookie extensions that have uh, gone through in the last couple of days here, starting with OG Ananobi. I think it was four years, $72 million. What do you think of that? Is that a good signing for the Raptors, or do you think they might have squeezed a little bit too much money out of the organization? I think this is a great move for the Raptors. This is going to be a guy that they need to have around for a long time. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's going to have something like a bit of a Kyle Lowry effect uh, on, on the Toronto Raptors, on the fan base. 
uh, things like that. Um, I think this is a huge move for them. Uh, show him the money. Show him that he's appreciated as well um, yeah. for his contributions. I think um, he does have the player option uh, as well in that last year, I believe. Um, but, yeah, it's. I think it's a great move, and it was a move that they kind of needed to get done. Um, and this team... Uh, we talked about it in the first the first episode. I think this team is is poised to make another good run, yeah. um, and I think this is they're just, just just so solid. And like he's a really important piece, and I expect him to have a breakout year this season. If he can contribute consistently offensively, he has potential to be an all star because of how effective he is defensively. Like he's the type of guy that can guard one through four. Uh, and you know now starting to make open shots starting to even score off the dribble a little bit so I expect a lot out of him obviously the Raptors do as well and I think it again as the Raptors do great value on a contract right we saw it with Fred Van Vliet and then we see a similar number here with OG and then when you're comparing it to what you know other other players in the league are getting like the Luke Kennard deal um, you know, the the Jonathan Isaac, and I, I love Jonathan Isaac. I think he's going to be an excellent basketball player. But, you know, forty year, four years, $80 million for a player who hasn't been able to stay healthy, hasn't really shown much of an offensive polish. Uh, again, it just makes the Raptors look really good with the type of quality they're able to get at the dollar value they're getting it at. It's really impressive. I, I agree. I think that that number... Uh, that number is great for both OG and the Raptors, uh, especially with, with some uh, comparables around the league. Like you said, Luke Kennard, we got Derek White in San Antonio yeah. as well, just signed basically the exact same contract. Yeah. And um, I don't know, if you ask me, I'll take OG over Derek White any day of the week, but I'm, I'm maybe taking, I'm biased. I'm taking OG over any of these other guys yeah. that are getting thrown the money, to be honest with you, and that's that's bias aside. I think that he's, he's a guy that can make an impact. He's just a raw athlete that can defend, like yeah. you said, one through four. And can also score on you one through four. So I think it's a great move for them. Right. Uh, one of the better ones that I think we've seen in the, in the last sure. few weeks amongst the plethora. Of another one that I thought was really great and, you know, another GM who's been really successful in the last year and a bit is uh, Rob Palenka with the Kyle Kuzma deal. If I'm not mistaken, it was three years, $40 million or something along those lines. So um, I know Kuzma didn't have the most productive season last year statistically, but Still a kid with a lot of potential, still quite young. I think he's 24, 23, 24. So um, to get him at that amount, again, when you're looking at other deals going around in the league, another win for the Lakers this offseason. And I think they have to be, at this point, the biggest winners this offseason with what they've been able to do so far as the defending champs to kind of, uh, to you know, tool up again in the way that they did, I think is, uh, it's, exceptional really yeah and I, I mentioned this too with some of the moves that the Lakers were making in the offseason bringing in new guys and stuff like that is you we're really seeing the LeBron effect we're also really seeing the championship effect yeah exactly. and just the Hollywood effect man like yeah. people, people want to be there they want to stay there <laughs> yeah. and they want to be part of, of the show you know and I think this is this is a bargain for the Lakers um, and it's it's also a, a nice little paycheck for for, for sure. Kuzma I think it, it was weird seeing he was feeling like he was almost written off last year a little bit yeah. at, uh, as, as an extra kind of to the cast. But um, I think he's a guy that's going to make a lot of difference down the stretch uh, for that team. Uh, they, they go deep. The Lakers go very deep. Yeah. Uh, we saw that with, with the free agency moves. But, um, yeah, this is just another uh, – similar to OG, I think this, this just galvanizes their, their core um, for the next few years and just gives them a solid foundation to keep building off of. And, you know, another thing to keep in mind, too, is that makes him a tradable asset now. Like, with him 
his previous contract, he wasn't making nearly enough money for them to possibly, you know, trade him and get any return on on that. So, uh, big move again by by Rob Palinka. Uh, I I think he's gonna have a bounce back season. I, I think he really struggled last year trying to find his fit with you know LeBron and AD, and this year maybe they use him more in a six man role, kind of uh, running the offense through him and and Dennis Schroeder in that second unit, but. Uh, I expect him to do really well this season, and uh, I think last year again was kind of a one-off. So, looking forward to see what uh, what his season lo- looks like at the, you know, I guess starting tonight. Definitely, I think uh, another one uh, I kind of want to zoom in on on the Utah Jazz. We're we're talking rookie extensions here. We know Donovan Mitchell got a huge uh, a huge contract here. Uh, he's got the five-year, 163 mil extension uh, that could climb to approximately 196 million if he's named to first, second, or third year, yeah. or third team. Sorry, um, and and on top of that too, we, we see Rudy Gobert signing uh, a lucrative deal that would make him the highest-paid big man in NBA history. <laughs> oh um, my goodness! We've had, we had our our opinions on that. Yeah. Um, so why, why don't you kind of share your thoughts on on those? I two mean, moves? if you're the Utah Jazz, you have to pay both those guys. Uh, ultimately, I think it's an overpay even for Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, as good as he looked in the playoffs this year. Uh, is he a super max player? I don't know. I don't, I'm not convinced personally, but I'm definitely not convinced Rudy Gobert is. But the Utah Jazz, a small market team, that's kind of what you have to do, right? You overpay for, and we said the same thing last episode about Gordon Hayward. You overpay to get good players because you have to, right? Like you can't, no, it's not like they have the LA effect like you were mentioning earlier where people want to go there you have to really persuade people and oftentimes that's done by throwing the bag at them right uh so good for Utah I think that keeps them competitive for the next few years but do I think that puts them in the championship contender bracket no I don't I'm not convinced yeah and it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they manage around those two players for the duration of these contracts too yeah. who, who they can retain uh, who they can pay, really. I mean, they they definitely put themselves in a bit of a bind, but I, I, I totally get that for sure. You're a small market, and that's when you don't have that sexy appeal of, of Hollywood and, and this and that that you, you can't throw at, at guys, and you kind of have to you kind of have to just, like I said, overpay a little bit. We saw it with Gordon Hayward, but, I mean, you look at the Utah history of, uh, of like, the legends, and the list is pretty short, right? So, yeah. Um, I think that this is going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Utah uh, moves forward for sure, um, and I'm more interested to see how they fill out that that roster around those guys in the yeah. coming years. Yeah, you're totally right because they they're kind of an aging roster outside of those two guys. You know, Mike Conley's on his way out. Uh, Bogdanovich isn't a you know he's no spring chicken either. So uh, they have their work cut out for them. But I think all in all, in the Western Conference, for them to be where they're at. And where they've been over the last few years is really impressive. So I, I think that's you know says a lot about their front office. Um, but I, I don't know long-term what their ceiling is like. Again, I don't expect a whole lot out of, out of them. But, you know, only one team wins the championship every year. And, it you know, if it's not the Utah Jazz, that doesn't mean they're a complete failure, right? Right. They, just, they want to be competitive, and, and they're trying to make the moves that they need to do to, to do so. I mean, yeah. they're going to be a perennial playoff team. Uh, I have no, no doubt in that, but... Uh, just be interesting to see how much noise they can make. So you know, I kind of doubted this year to be honest. I know their experience; they made the playoffs last year, but the West is so 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 competitive. It's it's really hard for me to say that they're a sure shot in the Western Conference 
when you have teams like, you know, Memphis, who's on the come up. You have teams like Portland, who, you know, I think are more of a sure shot than Utah, for sure. I think this is the best Portland team that Damian Lillard has had since he's been there. It's just really well-rounded. Their front office did a great job this year, you know, re-signing Melo, bringing in Robert Covington. They got a healthy Nurkic. So I think they're really poised to be kind of a top-four seed in the West. Um, And then, you know, for Utah, having to beat out teams like Golden State as well, they have their work cut out for them. It's going to be very interesting to see how that bottom half of the Western Conference plays out. There's probably going to be some big surprises there. Yeah, how it plays out is is a totally separate separate thing for sure. I think that like realistically on paper, the Utah Jazz should be a playoff. Yeah, for sure. Whether on paper, to, I agree. Whether I they play to that standard yeah. remains to be seen. Um, so I guess yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out for sure. Um, but I think they're making necessary moves. Uh, whether we think that they're smart moves per se remains again remains to be seen yeah. uh, based on the performance and, and the output that they get from exactly. them but um, yeah well, let's look at another uh, another couple of these rookie signings here um, let's go the way of Markel Fultz um, he was the number one pick in 2017 um, yeah. as obviously had his his struggles and and struggles the yips you mean the yips <laughs> yeah he's gone through several jump shots um, his exit from Philly, uh, he finds himself in Orlando, um, and he seems to have at least found a home for the next three years tentatively um, at $50 million. Um, what are your thoughts on this move? It makes sense. If you're the Magic, you have a former number one overall pick who really is starting to show flashes of his former self. I think they got pretty good value on the contract, so I, I think it works out for both of them, right? He gets an opportunity in Orlando where he's obviously pretty comfortable, and Orlando feels pretty comfortable. And I think they have to kind of take that, that risk. Again, they're, they're one of those teams where free agents aren't lining up at the door to, to get there. So uh, if you can re-sign uh, a potential you know, all-star, I think that's kind of what they envision him as. Uh, Steve Clifford was saying that he expects a big season out of him this year. So if you can get him for, what was it, three years, $50 million, yeah. you're, you're not getting a better deal than that really anywhere else. So... Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't see anything wrong with that. What do you think? Uh, I, I like it. I, I don't think the number is, is unreasonable. Yeah. Um, I think he still has a lot to prove in terms of his uh, his ceiling. Um, and I like it. I mean, again, Orlando, they have a good young core. Um, and I think the longer that they can, they can grow together, I think a lot of those guys really do kind of depend on each other. Um, I don't think there's really like a clear-cut, like, runaway star in Orlando I think I mean Vucevic is pretty close that guy right because he plays in Orlando he doesn't maybe get as much spotlight as he probably deserves but he's one of the best centers in the league and he's been so for the last three or four years so uh, but I think all honestly I I don't think he fits with them long term right uh, just because of his age uh, and kind of the style of play I see Orlando gearing towards I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the magic jersey by trade deadline this season because they can, they're gonna get lots of assets for him, and I, again, the fit I'm, I think, is a little suspect. So, uh, he's one of those guys I think is probably on the trading block. Yeah, and I mean that that not just that just reiterates the the young core. I think that if they're gonna get rid of him and and off, yeah. uh, offset him at the 
the deadline, then then that's probably going to bring in assets, draft picks, young guys, yeah. whatever, right? Exactly. So the, this team this team keeps getting younger, and and I, I don't know. I think that having guys like this, and uh, as well, Jonathan Isaac just signing a four year, eighty million dollar deal as well. Like they they've locked up two top ten picks in the last few years. Yeah. Um, for a, a decent amount of time and a, and a decent dollar as well. Mm-hmm. So the Orlando Magic, uh, shout out to my boy Graham, the only Orlando Magic fan I know. Uh, <laughs> they <laughs> have those? I've never heard of them. Yeah, things are looking pretty decent uh, <laughs> in Orlando. I think you, you got to be excited for the yeah, future. For sure. I don't know if this is a right now yeah, uh, right now thing, but you definitely have to be excited. I mean, they, they've made a little bit of noise uh, with, with some just depth and, and guts over the last few years, but... Um, what's that? Uh, what's that famous saying? They, he's a few years away from being a few yeah, years away. That's kind go. of how I feel about the the Magic. Yeah, they they go. they have potential. They have pieces in place, uh, but I it's not something I expect to happen this year. They're probably not a playoff team this year. But the future is pretty bright for them. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's let's round this out with with one more. I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Let's talk Luke Kennard. Um, how how does he fit uh, since he's I will say, since he's come to Los Angeles, uh, there's been quite a bit of, of talk uh, about him, surrounding him, and, and the, the amount of confidence that they have in this guy being able to, to make an immediate impact yeah, sure. uh, and, and play meaningful minutes and produce as well. I um, mean, obviously the Clippers organization it feels really strongly towards him. They gave up Landry Shamit, right, basically as a direct replacement to him, uh, and then they gave him that contract extension. I think they are expecting him to fill kind of that Lou Williams void as like a, a scorer off the bench, but also a playmaker. He's one of those players, again, who's underrated as a playmaker. Uh, so I think they're giving him a lot of responsibility. And I think at this point in his career, he's ready for it. He's ready for a bigger role. He's ready to play on a winning team. I'm excited to see what he does with it. Um but is it a guarantee? Like, is it a sure shot? I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. We The sample size, I'd say, is pretty small. Um, he really only started being productive for the Pistons last year and then got injured, and we didn't see much else after that. So uh, he has his work cut out for him. But I I expect him to do well. The Clippers obviously do as well. And uh, we'll, we'll see kind of where it goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a microscope to him uh, under a greater microscope, I guess, than he was getting in Detroit. Um, I think it's easy to to be lost in translation in Detroit in days like days like these, seasons like these lately. But um, I think with with this now, he's gonna he he comes in with expectations, which I think will be yeah. a, a pretty big first for him. I, I don't necessarily know that he had massive expectations in Detroit. I mean. He was a top or twenty pick, yeah. and, and that's that's yeah. great. But I mean, he's now he's been shown money in a in a on a good team in a good market, and he's got pretty big expectations on this good team. Yeah. Um. So it'll be really interesting to see his uh how he answers the bell that way. Um. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting move for sure. I I was a little bit surprised initially with with the amount of not hype, but the like the expectations that are kind of building around what they expect with him and um. Uh, there was a, a Clippers uh, analyst that I follow on Twitter who was saying basically um, what people aren't realizing is that Luke Kennard is what people think Tyler Hero already is, which I thought was a very interesting tweet because at first I was like, oh, blasphemy. But then you think about it and it's like... It's not far-fetched. Right. So yeah. it's definitely going to be interesting to see um, what he looks like uh, in, in La La Land in his, in his first stint here. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think... 
like the Clippers, it, it's cheesy and it sounds funny, but I mean, the Clippers season motto this year is just win. Like it's it's very simple, plain. It's it's one word. It's win. It's plastered all over their social media today, um, and there's there's there is an expectation that there are wins in their future with Tyloo, with a reloaded roster yeah. here, with what they're wanting to do. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see where, where he fits into those, it's, uh, to those it's, plans. It's funny to me that that's their mantra, just win. But then they have Paul George taking shots at, you know, everybody other than himself for, yeah. I want to say, his performance in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, there was that, that one comment he made about Doc Rivers not using him properly, kind of using him in, in pin downs and stuff. And he says he wants the ball in ISO more. That's where he's productive. But then when you go back and look at the metrics, he had the ball in isolation more this year than he had in his entire career. So uh, it sounds like, to me, somebody kind of just talking out of their ass, making up excuses. Uh, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny as a Laker fan watching what's going on in Clipperland, uh, especially with that, that recording that was just released of Jerry West calling the Lakers a shit show when he was trying to recruit Kawhi in, in 2019. Uh, it's funny to see how the tables have turned now with the Lakers being the defending champions and, you know, the Clippers looking a lot more like the, the, the shit show. So, uh, yeah, I got a good laugh out of that. I'm sure all my fellow Laker fans did as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting times for sure. We'll, we'll say that much. Uh, but I, I truly do believe that they, they will be a very competitive team. Of course, of course. And they, I think that we'll see a change under Ty Lue. Um, I think that, you kind of see this sometimes it's it's the the face gets old uh with with certain franchises um i mean doc rivers i think had just kind of lost the room a little bit yeah Um, yeah he wore his welcome there i agree and that's not to say he's a bad coach or this or that i mean it's just sometimes the the fit expires a little bit right so it'll be interesting to see that um how these these players take to Ty Lue, a younger face uh and a guy that was kind of in the trenches against guys that they, they play night in, night out. So yeah. um, it'll definitely be fun to watch. But. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job in his first stint with Cleveland. I think he was it his first year as a coach that he won the championship, yeah. maybe first or second year. So he obviously has the pedigree. He knows what he's doing. He's been to the mountaintop. So I expect him to improve. Uh, and like you were saying, that's not really a, a knock on Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is going to do a lot for the Sixers this year. I expect the Sixers to be really competitive and kind of a team that no one's really talking about in the Eastern Conference because I think, you know, the Nets and, and the the Bucks are stealing a lot of the headlines there. But they're not going to be an easy out in the playoffs if you have Ben Simmons healthy, if you have Joel Embiid healthy, and then the pieces that they surrounded them with, you know, Seth Curry and Danny Green, not to mention Tobias Harris, who, uh, you know, can be really, really tough to, to guard in the playoffs. So uh, I, Doc Rivers, I think, went from a shitty situation to a, a pretty good one now where it's kind of a not not necessarily a shitty situation but kind of just has a, a clean slate where he can go in and just coach uh so i'm looking forward to see what he does with that opportunity there absolutely uh but to switch gears a little bit here let's talk about the the james harden situation in houston so uh there's been a lot of drama around that now him not really being on the same page or any page for that matter with the organization uh, not speaking to, to the GM, not getting along with the coach. And apparently the coaching hire is kind of what kick-started his trade demand with uh, Steven Silas being kind of, uh, you know, obviously a, a brand-new head coach. But uh, 
Uh, I'm curious what you think of, of what's going on there. And I, you just, you just mentioned to me offline here that some new trade suitors came up, uh, being the Rockets, the Nuggets, and the Celtics, on top of the Bucks and the Nets, who are currently in exploratory talks with, with Houston. So uh, kind of get your two cents there on what's going on. Yeah, so it's it's interesting what's developing. I mean, we just touched on 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 quote unquote shit shows. Uh, this yeah. is kind of turning into one. The biggest uh, one, yeah. There, yeah, we got we got reports coming out of, of practices in Houston saying that Harden is having multiple confrontations, uh, going as far as throwing a ball uh, at at rookie teammate Jay Sean Tate. I mean, it, this it's it's spiraling, and this is not the kind of the kind of thing you want going on with your team going sure. into opening night here uh, within the next couple of evenings. It's uh, it's very reminiscent of the Jimmy Butler situation in Minnesota. And they they were, you know, trying to drive a hard bargain. But at the end of the day, they couldn't let that continue deep into the season. So I think he was traded in, the you know, the first 10 games or so of that, that year. And I expect something similar because you can't drop this out, right? It's embarrassing for the organization. It's not good for the player. Uh, and I don't think like James Harden's going to get value, right? Like you don't have to hold out to the trade line, trade deadline to get value for James Harden. He obviously doesn't want to be there. You're not changing his mind. You brought in good pieces, and that still didn't affect his decision. So I think sooner rather than later they pull the trigger. The question then becomes which team do they pull that trigger with? Uh, and they have a lot of options to choose from, right? The Raptors have good assets. You know Pascal Siakam. If I'm the Raptors, I don't know if I give him up in that trade, but you pretty much have to because I imagine that's what the Rockets are going to demand and then maybe a couple first round picks and then you have Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr. Jalen Brown you know a lot of big name productive players in the mix and then you know the plethora of picks that they'll uh, they'll get with that as well I think Houston's in a really good spot uh, I just hope that they don't hold off too long and really kind of you know make a mockery of their the situation there it's it's interesting seeing the, the suitors that are coming up. Yeah. Uh, obviously, starting with um, the initial suitors like Brooklyn and uh, and yeah. Miami, yeah. Um, but now getting these other teams thrown into the mix here with the Raptors, Celtics, Nuggets. The, the it seems like the NBA world is kind of their oyster with with what deal they want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they're going to get value. It's just a matter of where it's going to be from and which team is now wanting to take on something like this, some diva type behavior. Yeah. From a guy that's he he's gonna he's gonna be your guy, yeah. You know that coming in, but the, I don't think this is really like behavior you want to see at, at all. You you For sure. you want to see a guy that's that's ready. I mean, of course to, not. Of course not. Yeah. But do I think that's going to be the deciding factor in a team saying like no? The, if a team has a chance to get James Harden, they're 100%. getting James Harden. Absolutely. He's a former MVP. Yep. He's still one of the top three or four players in the NBA. Scoring champ. Probably, yeah, score, three-time defending scoring champion. Like, the guy knows how to put the ball through the hoop. So any team in the league would take him if they had the assets to do so. I don't think his antics or, you know, his, his status as a, a diva is really going to affect that. Teams know how to manage that. He's... You know, outside of this year, he'd been in Houston for for a long time, and you really didn't hear too too much about it. So, I, I think he'll be just fine, uh, and I I'm really really excited to see what team he ends up with because that turns him into a contender immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, he has led the Houston Rockets to the playoffs basically every season he's been there. He's literally a walking playoff berth, and you can't say that about too many players, especially in the Western Conference. So. Uh, don't don't sleep on James Harden. He is still elite. 
Yeah, and and I think the second he leaves the situation, his whole demeanor changes. He'll yeah, he'll be in tip top shape. He'll exactly. be back to exactly. to getting buckets as usual. He'll be for motivated sure. for sure. Yeah, and and I think it's it's an exciting time. I think for John Wall too. I mean, with with all this stuff going on, I, Houston turns into John Wall's team pretty quick. And yeah, to say that I expected that. John Wall becomes the face of a new team, like right off the hop, coming off his injury and stuff like that. I, I can't say I really expected it, but I mean, this is going to be cool, really cool to watch. Yeah, the development of, of of Harden in a new in a new place, as well as like what the Houston Rockets are as John Wall's team. Yeah. Um. So there's going to be some some they interesting. Have, they have things. good pieces, man. If yeah. I'm like, if I was James Harden, I'd reconsider my stance because them having Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, Demarcus Cousins, you know. John Wall, if these guys are healthy, that's a really, really, really good core group that you have there. Uh, but even absent James Harden, they're obviously going to get a lot of return for him. So if I'm John Wall, if I'm DeMarcus Cousins, I'm still happy to be in Houston because you know they're going to be putting a quality product on the floor with or without James Harden. Um, and I, like you said, I'm excited to see John Wall get handed the keys if that's the case. Uh, his play in the preseason was, was great. He looked like he was kind of his old self. Maybe not as explosive, but still getting to the rim. Still, you know, he was hitting his shots, still creating for others. So that's exactly what you signed up for when you brought John Wall in. So I'm happy to see that he was able to deliver on that, at least early on. Yeah, and I think, like, regardless of what anybody says, the fact that he's got Boogie there with him, too, I think that old college connection, for like, sure. that means a lot. it means a lot to players to have, to, to be playing with, with guys that they're close with. I mean, you see... Obviously, back with Miami, you see LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh. Like it, it just it creates an environment that is yeah. instantly welcoming and instantly like. I mean, you're gonna love coming to the gym every day most of the time, anyways. But when you can do it with a guy you've been been best friends with for how many years, I think that's gonna be a really cool thing to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I like Houston with or without with with or without Harden. Um, but yeah, definitely gonna be interesting to see. Uh, where things go. I mean, I know Houston was pushing really hard to have him move by by opening night. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's, looking a little late for that, but yeah. I mean, they they start tomorrow. You never know. We could get a Woj bomb at any time. Yeah. Like, as yeah. he's proven. So. No, it's it's. I think it happens in the first. I'd say ten games of the season because if you're a team bringing James Harden in, you want time to build that chemistry, especially if you're like a Brooklyn Nets, because there's going to be some bumps in the road. Uh, and if you're Houston, it doesn't make sense for you to hold out, right? Like, he's still going to be demanding top dollar, like we mentioned earlier. So uh, I think a deal gets get done sooner rather than later. Uh, again, just curious to see who is with. If I'm the Raptors, again, being a Raptor fan, I want to look at that pretty thoroughly. Because, again, James Harden makes you a championship contender immediately. Even if they have to give up something like, a, you know, a Pascal Siakam to get him, I think... They're in a pretty good spot to compete for a championship, especially being in the Eastern Conference with James Harden on their roster. And it's it's interesting to look at too. I mean, I know Pascal Siakam's sample size is much smaller, um, and I mean he's had he had a night and day experience in his first two serious playoff runs in terms yeah. of he he was a guy you could rely on heavily as a second option uh, in that championship uh, title season against uh, Golden State there. But then you also see last year where it seemed it seemed like he was he was kind of new to the game again. Like he couldn't create for himself. Yeah, and that's it's, the difference though between trade-off. being a second option and then being the guy, right? Yeah. So like obviously him being the guy didn't work out that well for him in that small sample size, like you were saying. 
he obviously is young and he still has time to turn it around and I expect him to perform better. I mean, it's impossible to perform any worse. Uh, but if you're asking me who I want in the playoffs, James Harden or Pascal Siakam, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at James Harden. Yeah, and it's easily. another interesting point too. I mean, with, with this deal, um, the deal uh, that the Raptors just made, um, they're going to have a roughly $30 million in cap space next year, yeah. obviously depending on what yeah. the Kyle Lowry situation is. I tend to agree with you, uh, what you mentioned in the first episode, that if, if things aren't maybe going the way of the Raptors this year, that that's a deadline potential yeah. uh, situation. Um, but regardless, whatever happens with the Kyle Lowry situation, like I said, could have um, up to $30 million in cap space, uh, and that's without any movement uh, of anyone in that deal, yeah. theoretically, if they were to chase Harden. Um, it is interesting to think about, though. I mean, you look at a team like the Celtics, who's been locking up all their young talent, um, the Raptors mm-hmm. doing much of the same. Um, but you got to look positionally, too. I think um, which team is willing to swap out members of their backcourt or like multiple members or whatever it is because Houston's looking for a young cornerstone, multiple first round picks. Mm-hmm. Who has who has that depth there that they're they're confident enough in that they can give up multiple assets? Yeah, that's exactly it. Very know? few teams, right? right. And, and it's the teams that we kind of mentioned, right? Yeah. Denver obviously has a, a huge huge quantity of assets and picks, uh, so they're obviously a player in that. If they want to to do that, if I'm Denver though, I almost want to see how this team plays out because you don't really need to be desperate to make a move. They have all of the pieces there with MPJ, Murray, Jokic, you know, Bull Bull, I think is going to come in and be productive sometime in the near future. So uh, they have a lot of good things going for them, though they did lose uh, Jeremy Grant, which was kind of a hit, but I think they'll replace him pretty easily with uh, with Michael Porter Jr. taking up most of those minutes. Um, speaking of Jeremy Grant, Four years, $80 million to, or was it three and 60? Either way, about 20, 20 million annual average to go to the Pistons. I have no idea what the Pistons are doing over there. Yeah. Like, not even the slightest. I don't think they do either. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they're just paying anybody who wants to come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't expect much from them this year. Although I think it'd be cool to see what Jeremy Grant can do with more opportunities because he was really helpful for the Nuggets in the playoffs this last season. And if he can become a more consistent offensive player, his his two way you know ability is is something that a lot of championship teams really could use. So maybe that's just kind of trade bait for them. We'll see what happens. Um, I kind of want to flip back to the Giannis situation. So he officially resigned in Milwaukee, which I think comes as a bit of a surprise to most people on the outside looking in. Um, Obviously, the amount of money is just absolutely ridiculous. The largest contract in NBA history, which is well-deserved for your you know, two-time reigning MVP. Uh, now coming to a Milwaukee team that's proven they're ready to commit for an NBA championship, bringing in Drew Holiday. Uh, so what that means for Milwaukee is pretty obvious. They're there to compete for the next few years, right? Uh, I think what's most interesting about that is what it means for the other teams that were vying for Giannis's services, being the Toronto Raptors, you know, potentially the Miami Heat, and pretty much anybody else in the league. Lakers, Clippers, yeah, anybody. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Any, anybody with a couple dollars to their name was looking at Giannis. So uh, the Raptors, obviously, their situation becomes a little bit more fluid now because they're not 
all in on one player. So I, I think they are poised to start making some moves now, which I'm excited about. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, Giannis being re re upping in uh, in Milwaukee. I love it for uh, the Eastern Conference. I love it for small market retention. Uh, I love it for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and quite frankly, I, I do love it for the Raptors. I think that yeah, this this really just clears them of any of this speculation. It's and, closure, right? Like yeah. it's not what you wanted as a Raptor fan or you know as the organization, but at least they know what direction they can start heading in now and they're not holding out hope or grasping at straws. Right. So that it, it's it's great for them. Uh, but like I just want to kind of double down on what you said uh, just a few seconds ago with this being a big win for small market teams. And that's exactly what the Supermax was designed to do, right? Him being able to sign for, I think it's 40 or $50 million more to stay in Milwaukee, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing to shake your head at, especially knowing the background that he had to come from in Greece, not having you know a whole lot of money, having a huge family that he's looking to support. Right? There was a, a funny video that came up on Twitter earlier today or yesterday of Giannis taking like 40 or 50 water bottles from a fridge saying free water. And then the caption was like, you expected this guy to pass up on the Supermax, and it's, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. right? So I, I, I look forward to seeing what they're able to do. Happy for him, happy for the Bucks, happy for the Raptors and, you know, the NBA in general. I think that's a big win, and LeBron kind of touched on the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that Giannis is where he needs to be, and mm -hmm. I think uh, Giannis is where it's best for the league right now, too. I think that... Uh, we talk parody all the time. Uh, the NBA has has really kind of seen a big shift in terms of like the power balance uh, in the last few years. Where I mean, the the NBA has become a very competitive league. Lots of teams have emerged as uh, as night in and night out uh, favorites to to make a run. Um, I mean, like last year, the playoffs were so exciting. I mean, the bubble was was its own thing, but. I mean, last year, it really felt like any team could win on any given night. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see the collapse of the Clippers, like a team like the, the Nuggets was, was written off, and, yeah. and look what they did. And and it, it's just every night, it, it feels like any team could win, and even in even – in, uh, it's, it's, it's great to see that because, you know, the last few years in the NBA prior to the Raptors winning the championship, you know, it was whatever team LeBron was on and then the Warriors, right? And it was like that for five or six years almost, so – it's great to see more parity in the league. It's really exciting. And, you know, for the players and the teams all going out thinking that they have a chance to win a championship really makes every game matter that much more. Uh, so it's really, it's great for the league. It really is. Especially in a shortened season, that, yeah. that importance of every single game mm -hmm. uh, is going to be amped up even more. Um, but, yeah, no, honestly, I mean, the, the Bucks made the moves that they needed to make to show that they were serious about mm -hmm. keeping them. And, and I, I think in their camp it was believed all along that he would he would be coming back uh yeah. and they just needed to i mean the writing was on the wall with that drew holiday trade right because i don't think there's any way they gave they give up what they gave up for drew holiday if they weren't like you know almost 100 percent certain he was right. coming back right. right yeah absolutely so i think it's a big win for the for the bucks and the and the nba uh, like you yeah. said small markets as well so let's cap things off with our predictions for Rookie of the Year. So I think how we're going to do this is we're going to go with who we think is the, you know, the most likely candidate. And then we're also each going to give a, a dark horse for each of the categories. So 
Uh, we're going to go through the big six, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, coach of the year, defensive player, most improved, and then sixth man, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll let you go first, Ty. We'll start with rookie of the year. Yeah, let's do it. Um, further on my point from earlier in the podcast, I think, uh, like I said, LaMelo Ball, this award is his to lose. Um, I think he's a clear-cut uh, favorite, uh, at least in my mind. Um, yeah. But I will throw in my dark horse pick. Um, we, we chatted about it a little bit earlier as well, but Obi Toppin in New York, I think, has a very unique opportunity to surprise a lot of people and and, uh, and really show out there. So I'm going with LaMelo as my pick and Obi Toppin as my, uh, as my dark horse. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Like you said, it is LaMelo's award to lose. I think he's going to get the playing time. Uh, to, to I mean, and that's really what Rookie of the Year comes down to, is if you're getting enough minutes to be productive, which I think he is. Uh, and as far as my dark horse, I'm going to go with James Wiseman, which isn't much of a dark horse when you look at him being the number two overall pick. Uh, but no one's really talking about him. And I think his potential to be really effective on a, you know, what could be a really good team in Golden State really gives him an edge for that award. So that's going to be my pick there. Uh, moving on to the MVP, I think almost everybody is consensus right now with Luca being the the most likely MVP winner. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely have him in as my as my favorite. Um, I think where it gets interesting is like the dark horse picks. Uh, we, yeah. we teetered on on several guys, um, yeah. but it's gonna sound crazy. But my dark horse this year is LeBron. I think with. Um, with what Anthony Davis did last year um, and what he kind of offers that Lakers team, um, I think it kind of slides LeBron into a bit of a dark horse role. Uh, we all know the impact that he has on, on a team. We've seen it yeah. every year <laughs> of his career. Uh, but I think, yeah, like this year, he's he's got a little bit of a unique situation where he's going to be doubted a little bit yeah. more. Um, and I think that he's he, he does have a unique situation sure. uh, to kind of step into a, as a dark horse for yeah. for the. Most I mean, he's he's, he's going to be overlooked, especially with the pieces that they brought in. Uh, but he, anytime LeBron's on the court, he has the potential to be the most valuable player. Some might argue that he is the most valuable player, uh, but I think people just get sick of giving him the award, which is why I think Giannis has his work cut out for him this year. Even though he may well be the most valuable player. I don't think he has any chance of taking home that award unless he puts up some ungodly numbers. Um, my dark horse is going to be uh, Damian Lillard. I think the the setting is right for him right now with the, the team that they put together in Portland. And I think if they can finish in the top three or four seed, he's going to have a really good shot at being the most valuable player this year. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great pick for sure. Um, moving on to the sixth man, what do you got? Uh, I got Michael Porter Jr. I think uh, what he showed in in the in the bubble in the playoffs last year uh, was pretty special, and I think uh, going into I guess a full shortened year uh, this year, I think there's some expectations there for him uh, to really build off of that. I think he'll end up having a big year, um, but it's hard it's hard to look at, at any of these awards without considering the Lakers based on the roster they built. So my dark horse this year is going to be Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think that's he's going to be nothing but a spark plug off of the bench. Yeah. And this is going to be a guy that's going to uh, just amplify even what they had with Rondo, even playoff Rondo. Like you know what I mean? He's yeah, he's going to be still an upgrade. Yeah, he's going to be. I think um, 
important to note on that, I guess it's contingent on him actually coming off the bench because yeah. there's been a lot of talk about him wanting to start saying that he's paid his dues. Uh, but I totally agree. Dennis Schroeder, I think, has a really good shot at being sixth man. My pick to be sixth man, assuming he comes off the bench. Uh, but another guy, I think, who's in a really good position is Karis LeVert. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year alongside Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off him. Uh, like, offensively, you know, when defenses are focused up on those two guys, he's going to, I think, get some of the easiest looks he's ever had in his career. And he really started to show a lot of flashes last season, even in the playoffs when the shot wasn't falling all that well against a really good defensive team in the Toronto. Uh, so I, he's he's my pick outside of Dennis Schroeder. Now we got to hope that he stays in Brooklyn and doesn't get involved. Yeah, in that's, that's right. Hard that's right. Who knows what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um Next on the list, we have most improved. So I have OG Ananobi winning that. I kind of mentioned a bit earlier. I think he's going to have a breakout season, much in the same way we saw Pascal have that about two years ago. Uh, so I think, you know, he's he's primed for that type of a season. He's my pick. And then my dark horse, which I think is my biggest dark horse out of all these categories, is DeAndre Hunter from Atlanta. I was really impressed with his play in the preseason. I really liked him when I was watching him in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago with, with Virginia. Uh, so I think he's going to contribute well. And I think if Atlanta is in a playoff position, he's going to have a good shot at taking home that award. Yeah, that's, that's a great pick too. I mean, considering some of the moves they made. I mean, they brought in Gallo. They got another another option to kind of like round out that offense. So yeah. I think there's going to be opportunities galore for sure. Absolutely. Um, my picks... Uh, my front runner is going to be uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander in OKC. Yeah. I think with the departure of Chris Paul, um, his his role is only going to expand. I think he's Definitely. got a, a wonderful opportunity to, to really break out and, and show that he um, he can kind of lead that team. Uh, a young guy that's being thrust into kind of the spot there, um, and I think I, I like what they have going on. I think that it's just a perfect perfect opportunity for him to really break out this year. I agree. Um, my dark horse is going to be Christian Wood. Um, very small sample size last year um, after some injuries and stuff like that, um, but I think uh, his move to Houston um, is just going to bring a lot of opportunity as well, um, especially in the event that uh, uh, James Harden departs. I think that that team um, becomes a very uh, a very team oriented style and I think yeah. it's going to give him I mean his opportunities will obviously increase with the departure of James Harden yeah. as will everybody's uh, I think that's a great pick I'm surprised that Houston was able to get him I, I thought the market for him would be a lot bigger than it was uh, I expect him to do really well in Houston he's shown what he's capable of doing last year in Detroit towards the end of the season yeah. and so far this preseason uh, so I think that's a, a great pick. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes home that award. Let's uh, let's switch gears to uh, coach of the year. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. What do you have for this? Yeah, so my pick, uh, I'm going with Monty Williams. I think with Chris Paul coming in, that takes a lot of a lot of burden off his plate. You know, having a veteran like Chris Paul who really can control a locker room that's going to really help his chances. Uh, and assuming that Phoenix makes the playoffs, which I, I'm really confident they will, I think a lot of people are going to look at him. Number one, he's like the most likable guy in the association, yeah, so that's going to bode well for him. Um, and I think he, he obviously he's a, he's a good coach, and I think if Phoenix can make the noise I expect him to, the, the award's his to lose. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that pick a lot. I think that that's a, a, a very likable coach and a very likable team uh, that's going to do some great things. Who's your Who's your dark horse? Uh, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. I, like I mentioned a bit earlier, he's got a blank slate there in Philadelphia. No one's really talking about him, and no one's really talking about the Sixers. So if, uh, you know, they, it's not like they're a bad team. Like, they've been a top four or five seed in the East for, for a few years now, and they brought in some really good pieces around them. I expect him to make the most out of that roster, and I think that puts him in a pretty good chance to, to win this award as well. Uh, I agree with you, and I agree with you so much that Doc is my favorite. Yeah. Um, he's my favorite for Coach of the Year. I think, I mean, you can say what you want about uh, him inheriting great teams and things like that, but, I mean, the simple and plain of it, his record speaks for itself. I mean, yeah. good players play well for him mm-hmm. um, I mean you could have you could have the best players in the world and, and a terrible coach and your team's probably not going to perform to its fullest extent right I mean Doc is a guy that proved a lot in terms of his character and his his likability with players and stuff with the yeah, uh, with all the social justice things that were going on and, and I mean the, the uh, with the Clippers old uh, president as well owner sorry yeah yeah the um, whole Donald Sterling all stuff. the Donald Sterling stuff he, exactly, he knows he, so. he, he says the right things uh, and it's it's easy as a player to want to play for Doc, yeah. unless you're like Paul George. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, like you said, it's 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 a great pick. We both kind of agree on that. Yeah. Uh, I, so I don't think anyone's going to be surprised if Doc uh, is the one walk, walking away with that hardware. Yeah. My my dark horse in this category is uh, is going to be the Canadian kid Steve Nash. Uh, I I said from the second they signed him, I I love this move, and yeah. I think that. Personally, I think that the Brooklyn Nets will thrive to the millionth degree under yeah. under Steve Nash. Um, I think being someone that these guys literally competed against mm-hmm. years, like not even that long ago, I think is going to be a huge thing for respect. Um, yeah. And I, he's also just like, his his record speaks for I itself. Mean, yeah, two time MVP resume is, yeah, exactly. is lengthy, right? He I demands think. respect. No yeah, way. and and this guy, I think. It'll be interesting to see, too, his relationship with Kyrie Irving and how, how free Kyrie Irving plays and the opportunities he gets in this offense yeah. as a, a, a ball handler and a point guard, too. Um, I think that could kind of turn around people's opinions on Kyrie, at least on the court, um, having some guidance and a mentor like that sure. uh, on your bench. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is going to be a really, really interesting year. Brooklyn has a, a wild roster this year on paper. Um, and to see how he can kind of mold that and, and bring it to life is going to be really exciting. So I think he, I think he's going to be my dark horse pick. I would not be surprised at all if he takes this award. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, last, I think we're which which award are we missing here? We're Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. yeah. So um, my pick is Anthony Davis. A lot of people, and when I say a lot of people, I mean Sean. I think he was robbed last year. Um, I I don't know necessarily if he was robbed. But I think he has a good shot at winning the award this year because I expect the Lakers to be a really strong defensive team. But I think they're going to need more out of him now, not having Dwight Howard there, not having JaVale McGee there. So his rim protection responsibilities are going to be there. Um, Though they did bring in Marcus Saul, who's also an excellent defensive player. So uh, I think the two of them together, they're going to be a force to reckon with in the paint. Uh, so th- he's my pick, and then uh, my dark horse is going to be Drew Holiday, who I think has been, without question, the most underrated defensive player over the last five or six years. I remember watching what he did to Portland, namely Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the playoffs a few years ago, and it's just amazing. This guy is the definition of lockdown, so 
going to a good team in Milwaukee where he's going to get a little bit more recognition, I think he has a pretty good shot as well. Yeah, no, that's a great call for sure. Um, I'm going in the direction of Anthony Davis as well. Um, similar to the rookie of the year, I think it's kind of his, his award to lose. Um, he's asserted himself as one of the best defenders in the league for, for years now. Um, so I think that this is going to be his... Uh, his year, um, and I think uh, my dark horse, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. Um, uh, this guy, I mean, he's, <laughs> you'd want him on your team at, he's a at freak. any point. He's yeah. a freak. The guy will protect the rim. He'll he'll challenge any shot, whether, like yeah. whoever it is. I mean, you can have guards flying in, cutter slashes coming in. Yeah. He's going to disrupt any shot, yeah. um, and he can defend you out to a pretty decent distance too. So. Yeah. I think this guy's two-way ability is really going to shine this year, and, and I think that it could result in him taking home some hardware. Not only that, if the Philly does well, he's probably going to be in the conversation for MVP. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, I like that pick a lot. Got to love my guy, Joel Embiid. Shout yeah. out to him. Absolutely. Um, last thing I think we wanted to talk about briefly before we wrap things up here today is the, the expansion rumors that the NBA kind of released, or Adam Silver alluded to. Uh, earlier today I believe it was uh, I'm really excited about that I think it's time for the NBA to start looking at expansion mostly because I want to see a team in Seattle again I, I really miss and I'm sure every Seattle resident agrees having the Supersonics so uh, I, I pray pray that that comes to fruition for them uh, but I imagine that if they do an expansion they'll probably look at expanding to two different cities so I think Seattle's a lock for one what are your thoughts on what uh, what the second city might look like? One that comes to mind that I'm interested in is just like a, a city that's really starting to announce itself as a very viable sports city is Vegas. I think that yeah. it's hard not to look that way. Yeah, I mean, for sure. they, they've always had their summer league interests and stuff like that. But I think like what we've seen with with the NHL expansion of Vegas being an overwhelming success, I think with yeah. uh, that then resulting in tipping the scales with the NFL, having the Raiders move there and, and some world-class facilities. I think it's hard not to look that way as a For second sure. option. Um, and I don't know that any really jump off the page to me uh, ahead of them. No, I um, think they, they have to be the favorite after Seattle. Yeah, I, and Honestly, probably even before Seattle, from a business standpoint, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, especially with the success, like you mentioned, of the NHL and the NFL uh, expanding there. I should say expanding or moving there. Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting... Uh, an interesting thing to note too, though I think that Seattle is is primed to have an NBA roster or an NBA roster come back. Yeah. Um. I think it's it's funny though how much it plays hand in hand in hand with the NHL, and we saw it with, uh, we saw it with Vegas as well. I mean, they're they're not making all of these improvements to these arenas and these facilities for one team. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's totally with right. the eye of uh, it's with the mindset of, of multiple uh, multiple different of course franchises yeah. being able to utilize these spaces and I think this goes up very head in head in the sense it's the same arena. I think Seattle's made the necessary changes to host an NHL team yeah. and in turn that's yeah. allows them to be able to host an NBA team. So yeah. I think Seattle's the no brainer and that will be I think number one the just based team. on yeah. demand. Um, we know that there will be no shortage of, of fandom there. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the viable second option has to kind of be Vegas. So for it'll sure. be interesting to see how, how things kind of develop in that, in uh, that sense. But In terms of dark horses, I just want to maybe speculate um, about the potential of expanding north of the border once again. I know the Vancouver expansion kind of didn't go over all that well, which is unfortunate. 
Uh, but I don't think they should write off Canadian cities entirely. I think there's multiple Canadian cities that could support an NBA franchise. Uh, the one that comes to mind, obviously, is Montreal. They exceptional sports city, huge population, really diverse. Um, so I, I, I would love to see a team in Montreal. That's one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, but then, you know, when you look at even closer to home here, Calgary and Edmonton, either one of those two cities, I think, would be more than capable of supporting an NBA franchise. Edmonton maybe more so because of the, the new arena. They're kind of ready to go for that. Um, but no matter where you put that organization, either one of those two cities, the fans are going to be traveling back and forth because yeah. they're so close. So. Yeah. And, I mean, Calgary's announced new arena plans in the coming years and stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, it, when we're talking realistically how long an expansion process takes, it's, yeah, it's a significant amount of time. time. Yeah. Uh, Calgary's will be the new hot attraction by the time That's that right. would even happen, right? But, That's I mean, right. yeah, like Edmonton's got a world-class facility. I think it's hard to ignore Canada in, in expansion talks just based on how much the game has grown yeah. in, in recent years. And all the support that the Raptors have received, especially. Like, it, it's, it's a good time. Um, to be a Canadian basketball fan. Yep. Um, but on that note, I think uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, great chat, though. I think we, we were trying to keep it to a little bit shorter this episode, but once we get going, it's kind of hard to stop here. Yeah. Uh, a lot to talk about. So um, things to look forward to in the future. We're going to try and have a stabilized schedule where we release an episode every other week or so. Uh, we're going to start getting some Q&As off of Twitter, just make things more interactive. Uh, but again, we appreciate everybody's support, everybody who tuned in. Uh, we love you, and thanks for rocking with us. Always appreciate it, and uh, we will catch you guys next time.